0: You're listening to episode 100 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to give you tips on what to do after your marathon. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners and welcome to episode 100. This is our 100th episode. Who would have known that we'd get here and who would have known that today I'm going to be recording this episode all by myself. Anyhow, we had planned and actually asked the community to contribute on giving us 100 reasons why we run. To motivate you guys. However, in light of all the spring marathons and half marathons, we decided to change it up a bit and give you some recovery tips on what to do after your marathon. So a lot of you raced the Boston Marathon just actually today as this podcast comes out. And then we also have a lot of friends that raced other races and half marathons as well. So we figured this episode would come in a little bit more handy. And then once you are back into, you know, recovery mode, we'll give you reasons to run so you can uh, get that spike or, you know, feel that itch to run again. I've been through it just a couple of weeks ago, did the Paris Marathon, and afterwards I didn't feel like running very much at all. So reading up on reasons to run actually helped me. So that was one of the reasons why we recorded this episode, uh, why we will be recording this episode for next week. So tune in for that one. And today, for our expert, we're bringing back Australian physiotherapist Brody Sharp. He has his own podcast, the Run Smarter Podcast. He's also a physical therapist that uh, is available online for bookings. He's also a writer. And we really value his opinion and view on things. He's very realistic and, uh, you know... Like most Australians, doesn't fluff it up so much. He really gives us great data. So we talked to him about what you can do or what you should be doing after the marathon, what happens to your body and what would be ideal to do and not to do for recovery. So before we hop into that, however, I want to give you some information that I found on the Runner's World website about what you should do after finishing a marathon. So again, this is from Runner's World, and this is kind of a more of a fun article that breaks it down a little bit. So at the finish line, try to keep moving for at least 10 to 15 minutes. Then within an hour of finishing a marathon, try to eat carb-rich snacks or drinks because the main goal after you're running 26.2 is eating like an athlete. So you want to make sure you replace the carbohydrates that you've used. And then within the next half hour, you try to eat a balanced meal of carbs, vegetable and protein. Obviously, you also want to hydrate. So here's some more useful advice. What to do in the afternoon try to have a nap for about 290 minutes because that's the optimum time to experience the benefits of the REM cycle, REM sleep. Uh, Sleep is key as we know when it comes to muscle repair. We just recently had an episode with uh, Amy Bender, a doctor that studied sleep psychology and sleep. So you should do that before you head to the pub. Um, obviously, that doesn't always work. You also want to avoid anti-inflammatory painkillers such as ibuprofen because pain is to be expected after your marathon. So unless you really have to take something, you know, you can always take Tylenol for pain. But we've had plenty of conversations with doctors that told us to avoid anti-inflammatory because that's your body's healing response and that actually helps you getting stronger. The article also says later in the evening, try a milk-based drink before you go to bed because the carbohydrates and proteins in the milk can help you with your recovery. For the next day, Runner's World says, wear compression socks or tights as much as possible because studies say that this can actually boost your recovery. It says, avoid people with colds and infections because you've put a lot of stress on your body, so immune system is more susceptible, susceptible, can't say that word, uh, to a post-race cold. Then two days later, it says, try to do a gentle swim because active recovery is better than the sitting on the sofa. And this is actually a question that we also are asking physiotherapist Brody Sharp because as we all know, some guidance says to run the next day. And uh, we're going to ask him if that's actually if he thinks that is helpful. So another thing that the Runners World article says is to do a sports massage. And rather than doing this sports massage right after the race, they say to wait three to four days. The article also says to avoid ice baths. Um, if you're going to have an ice bath, make sure it's immediately after the race. So this is we're talking three to four days here. It says five to six days later to do a test run of 20 to 30 minutes and be observant of any aches and pains. And then it asks, when can you run again? Well, there's no specific answer. And again, we're going to have a whole question answer session with physiotherapist Brody Sharp. So I will lead right into that. All right. So I'm here with Brody Sharp. Brody, welcome back to our show.
1: Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, it's a pleasure.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. So since we've talked to you, we've probably gained quite a few listeners. So why don't you introduce yourself again to um, our audience, let them know who you are, what you do, and anything else you'd like to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... I'm Brody. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. I am a physiotherapist, which is kind of similar to a physical therapist. And I am the host of the Run Smarter podcast. And essentially with my physio career, I'm only treating runners and I'm on a mission to try and educate runners as best as I can so they can make sensible training decisions. And if they are injured, making sensible rehab decisions so that they're able to survive and thrive as a runner. Because as you know, and as I've discussed on your podcast before, there's a lot of misconceptions out there when it comes to how to train or how to increase your running performance safely, or if you are injured, how to overcome it. And my aim is just to try and disseminate a lot of information, misinformation that's out there. And I do um, interviews on my podcast where I interview researchers and health professionals, but also I do a lot of solo episodes as well, where I dive into particular um, topics, injury specific topics around what the evidence shows and try and communicate in a way that isn't too technical that any runner can understand. And so pretty much everything that I'm doing these days is just uh, serving that, that mission and trying to help runners as best I can.
0: Absolutely. And you definitely have helped us and many of our listeners with their questions. So I'm going to definitely link your podcast in our notes. And uh, I really like your podcast. I listen to it very uh, regularly. I like that I can just go to it and type in plantar fasciitis or whatever I think I'm dealing with and I get some actually really good information. So we're super grateful for that.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
0: So, today I wanted to have you on just briefly because most spring marathons are coming to an end. We're airing this episode the day after the Boston Marathon. So, with that, we wanted to get some advice on what to do. And in order to get that, we probably have to understand first what goes on with our bodies. So perhaps you can go into it a little bit, explaining what happens with our bodies when we run a marathon. So we have our training runs that usually cap out at 21, 22 miles, and then we jump that uh, extra four miles for marathon day. And we also put a lot of stress on our bodies by trying to run that harder. So maybe you can go over that a little bit.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's a, a monstrous task for most runners to complete a marathon and a lot of the different components of the body and the musculoskeletal system, like just the accumulation of load is quite a lot. And like you say, hopefully most people before their marathon, they have trained and able to build up their tolerance because if you can, uh, if you can kind of think about it as every muscle, tendon, ligament, bone, joint in the body, they all have a certain capacity. And if you exceed that capacity, it starts breaking down and like develops into an injury. And that's why most of running-related injuries are what we call overuse. And so preparing for the marathon is the goal of trying to build up the capacity. And when you, start, when you get towards that marathon time, get towards that, that race- you're sort of pushing your limits a lot. You're sort of testing your capabilities, testing those limitations. And it's a massive toll on the body because as you, you know, impact the ground, the ground reaction force accumulates very, very quickly. Just as an example, when you run every single step, two to three times your body weight goes through that joint every single step that you have. And so just accumulate that mileage or accumulate that overall load on those muscles, tendons, joints, um, becomes very. It, it compounds over time. And so, after the marathon, you've taken this beating, the ground reaction force, that accumulation of force is, is quite tremendous. And so, your body has to sort of rebound from that and try and absorb that load, try and adapt to that load, try and handle that load after the race um, through the, our normal recovery processes. But another thing that we need to consider is, your cardiovascular system, um, the brain as well, like all of these uh, things when you do these events and sort of challenge the limitations. Um, there's research to show like after a ultramarathon, like some people's hearts get enlarged a little bit. And I just had Brady Holmer, who's a cardiovascular uh, physiologist onto my podcast last week, and he was talking about heart health and how these ultra events Um, can be quite strenuous on the cardiovascular system. So we do need time after the marathon to really appreciate, respect the load that has on the body, the demands that the body is required and start getting into that recovery process and being sensible with that recovery process.
0: Okay. So, wow. I didn't know that about the enlarged hearts and I'm assuming that's ultras Yeah.
1: Anything that's very, very challenging for your body. Um, I think the research, it's not necessarily my expertise, but um, what Brady was saying was, yes, it's in the ultra events, but just goes to show these strenuous endurance events. I think a marathon would be included in that for most runners. It is is strenuous on the cardiovascular system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when we run and say we're in a great position of not having pre-existing injuries, our soreness, right? That means we have torn muscle fiber. Um, How much in general does, or how much time do we need in general for that to heal? Uh, uh,
1: Yeah. I think the general DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness is something that does come on um, after a marathon, particularly if you've exceeded, you know, expectations of the muscular system, most people will be familiar when they do a gym workout or a high intensity gym class, or they up the weights on their squats or deadlifts or calf raises. They experience muscle soreness 24 to 48 hours after doing that event. And yeah, we've been told it's kind of like a generic statement, but it's, there's a few like micro tears that happen within the muscular system in order to get stronger. It's almost, it needs to almost break up these microfibers in order to repair, but that repair phase actually makes you stronger for next time. And that will happen a lot with particularly marathons, particularly if someone's running a a marathon, say with hills, we know that running downhill is a lot of eccentric control for the muscles, particularly your quads, the, the thigh muscles. And that can experience a lot of DOMS the next day. Um, if you increase your speed or running uphill, that is quite tremendous demand on the calves. So you might get calf soreness 24 to 48 hours after doing that. And it will depend on how long it takes. It depends on the, the how efficient you are into recovery mode. Um, it will depend how strong you are prior to the event. It just depends. Just like genetics people, rebound, um, their tendons and their muscles synthesize a lot quicker than normal people. So the generic timeframes are around about three to five days for most delayed onset muscle soreness, but you can just let symptoms be your guide. If you are still sore, um, you know, six, seven days following a marathon, it's still a sign that your body needs or the muscles themselves need a little bit more time to recover.
0: Okay, so yeah, that makes complete sense because I mean, normally we don't get sore until a day or two after and then it stays with you for a little while. Um, For your athletes, what do you suggest a marathon recovery should look like uh, if you don't have a race on the calendar coming up? Um, What should people do? Is there certain exercises they should or should not do? Is there certain things they should consume or... What are your tips for that in general?
1: My tips for that, um, I I guess, first of all, with stuff they should consume, I guess you just have to have a a good diet. Like before the marathon, during the marathon, after the marathon, your body is going to crave the nutrients to recover. It's going to crave the necessary nutrients to bounce back from that bout of exercise. I don't get too specific with my athletes. Like most people know what a healthy diet is. Most people know what a well balanced diet is, and I don't get too specific um, with their particular dosages. First of all, I'm not a dietitian, <laughs> um, but that's uh, it's pretty essential time frame to for people to get the nutrients they need when it craves it the most. And you know, something as big as a marathon will um, it be right up? It'd be that particular moment. And if we're talking about anything else to do straight after the marathon to recover or any exercises, um, I would just assess the runner themselves based in the moment or based like one or two days after the marathon, how they're feeling, what their level of soreness is, because we could have delayed onset muscle soreness, which like I said, arises 24 to 48 hours after the marathon, but you can also have a lot of other pains which may arise during the marathon. Maybe there's blisters or like friction, soreness, or maybe there's Mm -hmm. knee soreness that came on at the very end of the race that you're nursing for three to five days after that event. Everyone sort of reaches the finish line with a different experience, different sorenesses, different pains. And so we have to use those and let that be our guide for what we recommend. But for most... Uh, if someone has gone through the marathon without any necessary pains coming up, or by the next day, those pains have subsided, yes, you might have a bit of muscle soreness here and there. Um, and so, we have recommended maybe about two or three days off, sometimes five days off. But after that, after that kind of window, we just let the body decide, is this when you need to really start paying attention to what your body wants? Don't just... Get an itch to go back into running because you've had five days off running. Let your body tell you what to do. If you're not feeling up for running, that's totally fine. Um, as soon as you start feeling a, a little bit more spring in your step, or you start feeling a little bit more enthusiastic about getting back to running, that's a good sign. Then, when you're out running at low dosages, then see how your strength feels, see how your endurance feels, see what your effort levels are like, see what your motivation levels are like. And all of these can be a good guide to decide what we want to do, whether to when decide when to increase the duration, increase the intensity. And uh, if you feel like it's been a while, it's been five days and the body's not feeling up to it, then maybe just some light walking, some cross-training, some swimming, some cycling, all those cross-training options that we have in our our tool bag can be really helpful to, you know, just keep things moving, um, keep the blood circulating, but you're not just going through the motions of uh, needing to get back into running.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense. And uh, I guess you're already debunking my, First question that I was going to ask you about, there's advice on the internet that just says, after marathon, do not run for two weeks. But you're saying, give it some time and then just kind of let pain be your guidance.
1: Yeah, we need to really make sure that we listen to our body. We want to make sure that we listen to the muscle soreness and we listen to the pains, we listen to the aches, like those obvious signs. But we also need to listen to, like a little bit more internally to see how your actual recovery is. Because uh, when we talk about recovery from a marathon, um, it's a lot of physical, but a lot of psychological as well. The psychological downtime that you need for your body to enter recovery mode. And that's when we let our, our subjective internal cues be our guide for whether to return back. And when we do return back, at what intensity, at what duration. Um, And some people are extremely fit, have done several marathons per year. Maybe they're building like a really high weekly mileage. Maybe they're using this marathon as like a, a stepping stone to an ultra marathon that's coming up in a couple of months. Their conditioning. They might run that marathon, be totally fine the next day. They might only need one to two days rest depending on how fit they are. And so that's why we need to treat every... Scenario as, um, as a different case and we let the body decide because the body knows best. And if you're in tune with those body signals, then you're sort of making the right decision. Um, so the generic advice that you see of don't run for two weeks after a marathon um, would just depend. There's, t- there's too many variables to work out a blanket statement like that to see if it's accurate.
0: Yeah, completely makes sense. Um, Another one that I read online, another piece of of advice says, if you run the next day, you will be less sore in general. Could that be true?
1: Um, You maybe have the perception of feeling less sore. Everyone reacts a little bit differently. And it's very similar to before an event. Um, Some people need two days of complete rest to feel really fresh for the marathon. But then other runners feel better if they have a run before the marathon, the day before the marathon to kind of keep things moving, shake out the cobwebs, and then they perform better on the next day. So it all depends on how someone responds. And maybe it's genetic makeup, maybe it's just preference, maybe it's just perception, um, all these individual um, factors that come into play. But potentially, um, if it's like a really low-intensity walking, hiking, something that just makes you just move around at a very low intensity the next day might make you feel better. Uh, we know that like blood circulation, just getting the heart pumping a little bit. Well, I shouldn't say heart pumping, getting the blood circulating at a low intensity can be nice for delivering nutrients to the body. Um, each to their own. You can try it. I would imagine there'd be some runners who just don't exercise whatsoever and just feel really stiff after a marathon. Whereas walking, moving around, maybe doing some really low intensity cross-training just helps keep the joints flowing, keep the joints moving and have the perception of feeling better.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes complete sense also. Now, another question that I have is about muscle memory. Uh, Does muscle memory exist when it comes to marathons and in the way that Your first marathon, you'll be really sore. And then after you've done 20, 30 marathons, you'll feel less sore after performing the same distance.
1: Um, It has the potential to, yes, but I wouldn't necessarily call it muscle memory. I guess muscle memory is a pretty vague term, but I would say that it is the body just getting used to doing what it's doing. Uh, You build up your level of capacity and you build up your um, experience. And so, yes, you may be less sore the next day, particularly if you're more trained, like the more experienced you are, the more you sort of know how to prepare for a marathon, you know, the intensity you need to run during the marathon and you sort of have a better idea of how to recover after the marathon, purely based on the experience. If you've had multiple marathons in like in your career, then you, you simply just handle it better. But from a, muscle, like internal body perception type of thing, uh, I would say that your capacity is overall better. You're able to tolerate the load of a marathon better because you've had that experience. And so, yes, it could be muscle memory, but it could also just be the overall capacity experience of a race um, is just better handled, you could say. The the brain does a really good job of if it is unknown or if it is something that provokes a lot of anxiety or worry, or just like a heightened emotion, then you might experience some soreness afterwards, just because it's a little bit of an unknown. Um, But if you've had that experience before, the brain's a little bit less freaked out. You could say it sort of recognizes this pattern. It sort of recognizes the, the loads that are required. And the brain has that memory of knowing, oh, I've done this in the past and I've been fine. I haven't been injured. I didn't break down. And so it will be okay this time. And the brain in itself. And that memory can play a factor as well.
0: That's interesting. That's a, that's cool. So, and I guess, I guess my last question to you is if you want to use this last marathon that you completed and build on your fitness, obviously taking a few days off won't hurt you. Um, At what point do you take too much time off? How long does it take to lose fitness And how would one best go about being able to build on your fitness using your past cycle to train for yet another marathon?
1: I think we'll start with like how long it takes to lose fitness. Um, This will be different for everyone, but I see. I talk with a lot of injured runners all the time and they don't want to take any days off when they're injured because they're scared they're going to lose fitness. Uh, the marathon can be the same. Like some people might jump back into running a bit too soon when the body's not really ready, or they might jump into something that's too long of a duration or too intense uh, because they're scared of losing their fitness. The body will take about two weeks of essentially like complete rest to start losing fitness. But there's a few um, nuances in there. The two weeks is rest so if you spend two weeks not running you'll still preserve a lot of your fitness if you spend time within those two weeks to do other things like hiking or cross training um, cycling swimming some sort of low intensity cardio thing that will help preserve a lot of your strength uh, a lot of your fitness and it's very hard to lose fitness when you are constantly doing something, even if it is low intensity, all it takes is a little bit of a trigger, uh, short duration, but just low intensity enough to maintain fitness levels. But as most people will know, if they've had an illness or they've had like maybe surgery and they've spent time in hospital, if they've spent time bedridden, fitness is lost very quickly. But... <clears throat> That's only because it's complete rest. You've taken the total opposite direction of staying active and moving and spent a couple of days not moving. And it's those circumstances where fitness will be, will be lost quite quickly, but it's also regained a lot quicker. You'll notice that even if you've spent two weeks off, the first or second run back might feel like a bit of a struggle and you might seem like you've lost a bit of fitness. But by the end of the week, by the end of the second week, you've regained that fitness back to where you were before. So it's not the, simply the case of building back from square one. You actually return back to your pre marathon or marathon fitness levels a lot quicker. So there shouldn't be too much um, worry about those fitness levels. So just keep active, keep moving, even if it's low intensity in most circumstances to help preserve a lot of the fitness would be a really nice step.
0: Okay. Okay. And I guess I lied. I do have one more question um, and it's regarding strength training. Cause I know you do that. And for you, it goes hand in hand with your running. And I'm assuming as your runners ramp up for marathons, taper week comes and you also kind of taper the strength training, but then what do you do right after your marathon? When do your runners start or when should runners start with their strength tra- strength training again?
1: Hmm. I would say follow the same cues as with the running. I would let the, the muscle soreness settle down. And then when you start going back into your strength and conditioning side of things, I would make sure that you're just listening to your body. You might want to start lifting weights at 70% of what you did pre-marathon just as a bit of a test, just as a bit of a trial, just to see how the body responds. And if you're not feeling strong, if you don't feel like you have a lot of energy, maybe it's not a great time. Maybe that's the best time to, you know, just stick to low intensity stuff. But you might find quite quickly that if you've spent enough time recovering, that strength and conditioning, like you start to gain your strength back, you start to have enthusiasm for picking up the weights and doing your squats and lunges and calf raises, and your body responds in the same manner that it would pre-marathon they're very good signs that it's time it's time to get back into that strength routine so again because everyone's different everyone has different modes of recovery different um, times of their recovery just let your body be the guide okay
0: awesome thank you brody so much and if our runners well they know where to check out your podcast, but how else can they reach you? And maybe tell us also a little bit about the book that you're writing currently.
1: Yeah. So if um, you can search the Run Smarter Podcast, wherever you uh, are listening to this now, Um, other resources, I am quite active on Instagram. So at series is my handle. I have my website, RunSmarter.online. On there is a a link to a free injury chat if anyone wants to just have a chat about managing their injuries or rehabbing their injuries. Um, We can just jump on and see in any way that we can help. And uh, what was that? Oh, yes, the book. So I am trying to reach as many runners as I can, and I know and understand that not everyone are podcast listeners. So I have um, tried to write, I'm in the process of writing the Run Smarter book, which has the um, principles, the universal principles to reduce risk of injury, to increase running performance safely, and a lot of stuff to do with injury specific stuff. So there'll be chapters on runner's knee, shin splints, stress fractures, plantar fasciitis, those sorts of things. And so about halfway through the, the book writing at the moment, and maybe when it's completed, maybe I can come back on and tell you all about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to ask you about that, and hopefully you'll have it available on Amazon so we can buy it uh, even in the US. And then we'll definitely have you back on and talk to you about that. We, we're, looking forward, we're looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I'll be excited to, to share it.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Brody, again. And uh, we'll speak with you later.
1: Thanks for having me on again, Letty. Had a good good time. It was good fun. Good chat.
0: All right. Thank you, Brody, for the information you're able to provide us with and the guidance. As always, it seems like the right answer to everything is to listen to your body but it was so good to get some clarity on why we do what and why we don't do what. Um, and I guess that's it for today. So please stay tune to the next episode. We're going to have, I guess, 101 reasons why we run. And until next time, happy recovery. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us and as always, have a great week of running.